0: Welcome and welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast, this is your co-host Jay Chuma with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, Kapuma. What's up brother now, welcome to the Podcast 114 Super Bowl Preview.
1: The, the the intro gets me every time every time, Jay. Every every goddamn time. We've been doing this for what three years and change now and yeah. every time it gets me. But Jay I mean we were talking offline. Like I understand there was like the extra game this year and whatnot, but man, this this uh this season has been going by in a blur and I mean we got two teams, one team in the LA Rams that everybody and their brother expected to be in the Super Bowl. But then you got the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, coming in with the Skyline Chili, the pride and joy of Athens, Ohio, and Joe Burrow. I mean, let's be honest. At the beginning of the season, people were wondering if Zach Taylor was actually going to, Mm -hmm. you know, keep his job at season's end. Now it looks like Zach Taylor and all the, you know, know, coaching staff, they're about to get a massive, massive extension regardless of the outcome. This is why the NFL is the greatest man. Like, nobody had the Bengals in there. I'm all for it, but uh, I'm looking forward to this pod. Came by super fast this season, and uh, I just need more football in my veins. It sucks that the the season's coming to an end, but, like, how, how are you doing over there out in Seabus, well, Columbus?
0: I'm going through withdrawals. I'm sitting down last night on a Monday night ready to watch some football. Oh, there's nothing there. I'm Thursday nights? I mean, do you know how great Thursday night football was? I know as a product it can be crappy sometimes when you've got, like, Jacksonville playing I don't know, like the Titans when they were bad. Like, it's just one of those things where now it it was something that on Thursday nights it got you through the hump and to the weekend. You feel me? Mm -hmm. And now we're just going through the weeks and there's no more football. It's cold outside. It's gloomy uh, around this time of year. Puma, you know, I get very uh, suicidal, and I'm just joking. People, relax. But you know, in, in a funny context, where I just, I just, I don't have any will to live without cold. It is outside. the The cold seeps in. It wears on you. We just got a big snowstorm out here in Ohio, and there's like three inches of ice on my car. It, it's just, I'm just tired of it, man. And I'm tired of going on social media, looking at people living in Florida and LA, uh, sitting outside having dinner when it's 25 degrees. And I'm sitting here in like negative 12 degrees. Like I'm just I'm just overall of Puma. I'm just tired, bro.
1: Yeah, I mean before we hopped on Jay, I I was checking out the Twitter feed, and you know I was looking at my uh, my guys, Jonathan Coachman, you know from the old WWE days. The coach, coach. yeah, yep, the Coachman and uh, and Larry Hartstein. That they're part of um, Sportsline. They do like the sports betting stuff for uh, CBS Sports and. By the way, if you're into sports betting, Sportsline is the subscription to have. I don't pay for subscription stuff. It is definitely worth the uh, the cashish to pay to get the insight of all these uh, these handicappers and whatnot. But, you know, they're out there. They're at, like, these nice condos, and the mm-hmm. sun's beaming down. And you sent me some, uh, a, a video of, like, the 98.5 guys on a pier out, out in L.A. And, man, I, I hear you, dude. I'm, I'm over this nonsense. Uh, just... I I can't stand the cold anymore. I'm getting too old for this shit.
0: But the problem is, Puma, is that it's not even bad yet. Because right now, we still have the allure of the NFL. We still have storylines. There's still a lot going on in the NFL in regards to coaching hires. And we'll get to that later on. There's some Brady news. You know, obviously, there's a Super Bowl around the corner. In about 10 days, Puma, all this is going to grind to a halt. The dog days of the NFL truly are between... Uh, like, mid-February to about, like, mid-March before the sun gets really nice out and before free agency starts. Like, that's that's a tough time right there to get through, man. And if you think it's bad now, wait by, wait for 10 days, man.
1: That's uh, by week two of the, uh, the Siberia period, you'll be begging for the Deshaun Watson trade
0: talks. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're right about that. Bring it on. Bring on the Deshaun Watson trade talk, the Aaron Rodgers trade talk. Uh, the Kyler Murray trade talk, maybe just any, any talk, any talk of a good quarterback that isn't named McCrap Jones. <laughs> that's, that's another thing up in my craw right now. The fact that I have to see that loser all weekend long at the pro bowl.
1: Oh, you saw him doing the gritty. You saw him <laughs> oh, miss uh, the, the deep pass.
0: Puma, you he's saw so him bad. miss all that. why he's so bad. He's so Don't bad. Don't worry. Puma. Don't worry. Didn't I you, didn't
1: can't. you know? Didn't you know Mac Jones is the next uh, I I the next Puba. Joe Burrow? That's that's the word on the street, right?
0: Stop it, Puma! I can't. <laughs> it's so bad.
1: He's your savior, and, uh, the, and the year year of our Lord twenty twenty two, McCorkle Mac Jones is the savior of uh, football in Boston.
0: Puma, it's not the fact that like he stunk it up against that. Listen, Russell Wilson. I get it. Is a good quarterback, so it's unfair to maybe compare Mac to him. But just the, the the gap of how bad McCorkle Jones looked against Russell Wilson was jarring. It, like, shook me to my core, Puma. I walked away from that. I should have walked away angry from a stupid skills competition. I think what makes me the mad the most is Puma. He missed all the deep throws, and he started chucking yes. it down. He just started checking it down, and I just got so mad. And then, like, I thought I couldn't get madder, and then I saw him do his bullshit little stunt in the Pro Bowl where he... Was down clearly, but he decided to still run like a fool to the end zone and start doing the gritty. Like, bro, that play was over. You, you're just wasting time now, dude. I was so mad. I was so mad, bro. Oh god, uh, you
1: didn't, you didn't know though. He's Joe Burrow
0: 2.0. He's not Joe Burrow 2.0. Puma, if he's Joe Burrow 2.0, then I am. I'm shocked 2.0. Okay, like, <laughs> I, it, it just, it just, no, it's not even close. Just because they're, you know. Pocket passers and their you know white quarterbacks doesn't mean they're the same they're the same quarterback and I've I've had this problem quite a bit and I and I do believe there's something called reverse racism going on here where I think Mac Jones is getting the benefit of the doubt of being an unathletic white quarterback because we all expect Mac Jones to have the intangibles are going to be off the charts, right? He's going to be a good leader. He's going to be confident. He's going to be smart. Uh, you know, his team is going to follow him into battle. His team is going to essentially take on his personality, kind of like the Bengals are with Joe Burrow. But he has none of that. And that's what's so concerning, Puma. And I didn't want to do this at the beginning of the podcast. God help me. But the fact that he has no physical skills and then he has bad intangibles put together, I, I'm, I'm fearful, Puma. I'm very fearful.
1: It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You got the old man... You got a new coaching staff hire that we're going to get to oh, later on in the pod. Don't
0: get me started on Joe you got
1: You got McCorkle, you know, the your lord and savior of uh, football in Foxborough. But enough of Big Mac. Yes. We got the Big the, the, Yeah, and,
0: let's move on to the one In, in the words
1: of, I, I believe his name is Keith Jackson, the former ESPN color commentator. God rest his soul. Always said the Rose Bowl. We got the granddaddy of them all, Jay. We got the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium, Sunday, kickoff, 6.45 p.m., pomp and circumstance, you got the national anthem, you got how, what, what is it going to be heads or tails for the coin flip, you got people betting on what the color Gatorade is going to be for the winning team, we got the Rams and the Bengals, Jay, let's oh, go. Oh,
0: dude, I can't wait, I'm so excited, man, I, I, I think this is, obviously to the average fan, you want like a Tom Brady versus a Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but what we see as like the pure X's and O's from our view, the fact that there's going to be a a matchup between Jamar Chase and Jillian Ramsey, you know, how's Aaron Donald going to be defended? You know, is Von Miller going to get freed up? Are they going to go max protect for Burrow? There's so many angles and we'll start with all that, but let's let's start with getting our initial like who we think is going to win and let's start with the Bengals and how the keys to victory for them are. And for me... You know, I think we talked offline, Puma, but I got the Bengals winning this game. I just got this sneaky suspicion that we're about to watch something epic take off. I know, you know, we just sat down and watched the 30 for 30 with uh, Charles Woodson and Tom Brady. And I remember sitting that night watching that game thinking, you know this is kind of impressive this is maybe something new for the patriots tom brady could be a household name and obviously everything lined up perfectly i think the same thing might happen to joe burrow if he's able to win this game and it's gonna take a lot because obviously the rams are a great great football team and in fact to boil it down to one you know point to start off a conversation with how do you protect joe burrow right that that front seven with aaron Donald and now von miller they're gonna be so immensely hot coming after Joe Burrow that I, I don't know how Zach Taylor's going to scheme it up, but it might have to be max protect for most of the game. Like, you might have to use Mixon and CJ uh, Uzama uh, just kind of keeping them in or chipping them on their uh, on their way out to the, to the field just to make sure Joe Burrow has enough time because that's the key. If they keep Joe Burrow up, they could possibly win that game.
1: Right. You hit the nail on the head, Jay. I was going to go with, you know, the offensive line. You got to win the battle in the trenches. And I know you're not going to win every single individual battle between like the offensive line and the Darnolds of the world and the Von Millers of the world. And you you could go down the accolades and maybe Jalen Ramsey comes in on a fucking blitz off the corner too. But um, you know, you're going to have to get CJ Uzama if, if he's available. I know he's been battling, you know, the, 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 the knee, uh, knee sprain here. But if it's Joe Mixon or even if he got like some RJP Ryan just trying to chip somebody in the backfield, you know, something along those lines, I think the the, the kind of the X factor for me, and we saw this in the Kansas City game was uh, was T. Higgins. T. Higgins had mm-hmm. himself a day. And I think you know you're gonna obviously have Jamar Chase one on one against Jalen Ramsey from time to time. But I think Higgins can be that, you know, safety valve outlet underneath to move the chains and get things going. Uh, he had like six catches for 100-plus yards. Uh, I, I don't. He didn't hit pay dirt. He didn't find the end zone, if I recall correctly. But he really stepped up, especially when C.J. Uzama went down. And, you know, call us because the Bengals haven't been in prime time too much except for that one Thursday night football game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I honestly forgot how big T Higgins is. Like he is built like a tight end. I thought it was like the backup tight end that was getting all these looks when uh, Uzama went down and it was T Higgins. So I think Higgins is going to be the X factor on the defensive side of the football. Trey Hendrickson, probably hands down. I think we could all agree uh, the the uh, the steel, per se, of free agency. You know, we all know how, you know, Paul Brown, you said this uh, last year, the year before on the podcast, of how historically cheap the Bengals have been, right? They actually opened up the wallet. They got Trey Hendrickson in, in free agency from the Saints, and he's really turned this defense around, and he's going to have to get after it. You know, uh, Whitworth, I believe he missed the NFC Championship game because of an injury. I think, you know, obviously he's going to be going uh, for this game against his former team, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And I I think you're going to see Hendrickson wreak havoc. He's going to have to get after uh, Stafford, make him under pressure. And let's be honest, we've seen stretches during the regular season where Matt Stafford has looked like Jared Goff 2.0, where he's been chucking the ball, you know, recklessly, he's been causing turnovers. And I think that's going to be the key to the game. You wreck, you wreck the offensive line. Hendrickson gets in the backfield. You hurry up Stafford, and he make he might throw a pick or two, and you got to capitalize on those moments, and you got to score a defensive touchdown, in my opinion, if you're the Bengals, if you want a shot to win the game. And Jay, you're not alone in that sentiment of the Bengals winning. I got Cincinnati winning this game as well too. Mm-hmm. The point spread's four and a half. The over/unders forty-eight and a half. I really I love the Bengals in this spot. I think I think the Road Warrior mantra is is gonna keep going. I think it's gonna be a, a tight game here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it came down to a last-minute field goal from uh, Money Mac, uh, you know, Evan McPherson. But Joe Burrow is going to have a game-winning drive. The ball is going to be put into into his hands because of a Stafford interception. And uh, I'm all here for it, man. And we're going to be witnessing, um, I hate to say this, like potentially like a dawn of a new era of, of quarterbacking in the NFL with Joe Burrow, right? Like I think this might be, if you go back to the history books of Joe Namath, the New York Jets versus the, at the time, the Baltimore Colts in the Super Bowl with Joe Namath. That was the guarantee game, and he's got the moxie and the swagger Mm -hmm. of a Joe Namath. I'm all here for it. The only thing that Joe Burrow hasn't done yet is showed up on the sidelines with the fur jacket. Everything (laughs) else, dude, the intangibles are there. He's just oozing confidence. His team's buying into it. We can't say moxie enough on this podcast when we're talking
0: about Joe Burrow. Yeah, I don't think moxie, like, properly properly, like illustrates just how confident he is like the the word i've been using a lot is is just like a mental lion just because the guy is so ferocious when it comes to his to his mindset and that's what you need and to go back to your t higgins point you're right t higgins is going to be one of those x factors and his height 6'4 216 pounds for the listeners but listen the softest part of the rams defense is the safety play they've got a great front seven they've got great corners but you can't have them with an old maybe Eric Whittle out there, you can't have him in the middle of the field, especially deep. So that's where you know the slot receivers like T. Higgins. That's where the tight ends, and I don't know how healthy C.J. is, but if he's not healthy, then the tight ends that are going to be playing. They're going to have to really attack that middle of the field because that's where they're going to have the most success, being the the softest part of the Rams' defense. Now, the question I want to ask you is: How do you think this Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase? um battle plays out right are they gonna stick Jalen on Jamar from the jump is it gonna be one of those things where they stick Jalen on let's say Ty Boyd and they somehow bracket or double cover chase right how do you think the Rams are gonna go about attacking Jamar Chase because that's the that's the key here right Jopar is so comfortable with Jamar Chase it doesn't matter who's on him it could be Jalen Ramsey it could be Reeves, it could be prime time if he sees single coverage Joe Burrow is so cocky and so arrogant with his arm in a good way, he's going to go out there. And I think he will burn. You know, I do think Jamar Chase is going to get the better of Jalen Ramsey here because that wavelength that Joe Burrow and Chase have, That's something special. You don't see that often. I saw it once before. I saw it with uh, me personally with the Patriots and uh, with uh, Tom Brady and Randy Moss where it didn't matter how many people were on him. You just throw it up to him and he catches it. You're starting to see a little bit of that with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I saw it with Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison as well for a while there with just how... How comfortable uh, Peyton Manning was with Marvin Harris, Harrison. So I, you're seeing that, but I want to ask you, what do you think the philosophy is gonna be for the Rams? You know, to take away Jamar Chase, or what are gonna be some of their keys to victory as well? I think they're
1: gonna have Ramsey on Chase the whole time, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this with all due respect to Jalen Ramsey, but we've seen what happens from time to time when somebody gets under Ramsey's skin or we see like a defensive scheme not go his way. We saw it last year um, when the Rams played the, uh, the Packers in the divisional round, right? where the, Ramsey thought that he was going to be passing off coverage. Some guy missed his assignment. Devontae Adams took his lunch at the goal line, scored a touchdown, You know, started dogging him in the end zone, and Ramsey blew a gasket on the sideline. And I think possibly the same thing could happen. I think Jamar Chase may you know get under skin. I'm not saying he's a pest by any means, but we're in the Super Bowl, baby. All bets are off by any means necessary type of deal. And I think Ramsey may have a moment where he's going to get – frustrated with some with something not going his way and like he said dude you know uh, Joe Burrow's got that arrogance and that cockiness where if he sees one-on-one coverage he's he's gonna make it happen with Jamar Chase and I, I think that's definitely gonna happen I think he's gonna you know dial a long touchdown to his boy from LSU and you know it's gonna be off to the races at that point but long story short I think you're gonna see a lot of Ramsey on Jamar Chase type of situations in in the Super Bowl on Sunday
0: yeah and I think one of the main things for the Rams to to realize is that Bengals defense is average let's be real 100% I mean Mm -hmm. across the board I think that Bengals defense is average to above average some weeks. I mean, they've they've been had, though, uh, throughout the year, right? Uh, they've definitely been opportunistic, um, and they've come up with some key takeaways, like uh, they did uh, a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs. But for the most part, I think if... With how brilliant Sean McVay is in his scheming, I expect him to come out and establish the run immediately because they're going to they be able to run on the, the Bengals. And then once that happens, it gets very dangerous because that's when the, the bootleg action comes out from Matthew Stafford. That's when OBJ and Cooper Cup kind of come into the picture. And, you know, obviously we'll talk about this in a second, but OBJ, man, he's he's been phenomenal the last... Five, six weeks for the Rams. Obviously, Cooper Cup, he's the main target, the number one dog in that offense, and he's gonna get all the looks and then the numbers. But what, what OBJ's been doing, just kind of implementing himself into that Rams offense, you know, obviously taking a, a smaller role, obviously, but getting those one on one coverages. And if I'm the if I'm the Bengals, I, I am concerned about what my defense is gonna which defense is gonna show up against the against the Rams.
1: Right. And, you know, getting to OBJ real quick, I mean, you want to talk about the definition of talent and opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like what would this offense look like if, you know, Robert Woods didn't get hurt? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Woods got hurt that first practice that OBJ shows up at the facility and OBJ just seamlessly slides into Robert Woods' role in that offense. So it's, it's, it's kind of incredible how the stars align for Odell. It's, you know, uh, me, personally, I'm not the biggest Odell fan. Jay, you know this. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's good to see, you know, Odell get a crack at a Super Bowl opportunity. It's good to see Matthew Stafford get that opportunity. But um, I, I I think by hook or by crook, that defense is going to find a way with – you know with getting uh getting to the championship now i i hate to say this but you know we all know how how the referees have been this year Mm -hmm. Uh, you know we saw in the uh the, the chiefs Bengals game where essentially the referees swallowed their whistle and then you look in the nfc championship game and you know they were throwing more flags compared to what the afc game looked like so it's gonna really potentially come down to what that refereeing crew is gonna look like like are the corners for the Bengals going to be able to play aggressive like they did against the Chiefs and and you know really force the issue type of deal? Um, I, I hope the referees swallow the whistle and give us a good game. Uh, but getting back to the Ram side of things, you know Odell is going to be you know I I know it's it's easy to say Odell's going to be the X factor, but Odell is going to be the X factor. Mm-hmm. Like he can mm-hmm. you know you get him on a jet sweep like Robert Woods was doing in the offense. You know, we all know the attention is going to be given to Cooper Cup because I think, you know, me personally, he's definitely, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the game right now. It's like 1A, Devontae Adams, 1B, Cooper Cup, and then the field. So mm. that's that's the situation we're working with. I think Odell is going to get his looks. But again, I, I hate to keep saying this, but we've seen stretches where Stafford has looked like Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. It is not beyond the realm of possibility that Goff is going to get happy feet. Uh, not Goff, Jesus. Stafford is going to get happy feet. Flip. You know what I'm saying? It'd get happy feet and force a, a force a, a force a ball where it shouldn't be going, and, and possibly create an interception. So. I think you're going to have to establish the run, even if it's you know just by doing the jet sweep type of deal and and move the move
0: the chains that way for sure. Yeah. If uh, if you had to guess, uh, and, and by the way, before we get to that, are you considering any bets this weekend for for the Rams? Or are there any? I'm sorry, for the game itself, is there any sort of prop bets you're looking at? Or are um, you, still, prop are that- you still staying away from uh, from from the? The betting.
1: Effort. No, so I um, actually put I put money on the Bengals to cover the 48 and a half. So, mm-hmm. uh long story short, I got like DraftKings casino credit and I turned the credit into like 18 bucks of DraftKings mm-hmm. cash. I put the 18 on the Bengals to cover against the Chiefs. They did. I turned the winnings from that into cover, you know, having the 49ers cover the spread against the Rams, which they did. So now I'm like tripling down all those winnings are now on the Bengals plus four and a half here so oh, that's okay. that's that's where i'm at in life maybe i'll dabble in a couple of prop uh, the, you know the the super bowl special bets i haven't seen like the gatorade color one yet or the length of the national anthem or the, the you know the the coin toss type of deal but uh as we get closer to kickoff you know i may not be able to help myself and i'll find a prop better too
0: if i know poomster i know he's gonna deathly cave right
1: (laughs) oh yeah hey hon sorry we can't pay the mortgage i put it all on orange (laughs) for the gatorade you know color
0: i I just hope that uh we have some good uh super bowl commercials because i think the last two or three years the super Bowl commercials just haven't been the same i I don't know if you've noticed that as well but i was was kind of underwhelmed with the super bowl commercials last couple years
1: no, you're you're spot on. The last two years has been pretty underwhelming, especially last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm kind of I'm giving last year a pass because of COVID. Nobody really mm-hmm. wanted to spend money for the Super Bowl commercials. But I uh, I got hope. I think Doritos is going to come through clutch. They they always have a decent commercial mm-hmm. lined up. Uh, we mm-hmm. all know Budweiser's is going to have one with the with the mm-hmm. Clydesdales. Mm-hmm. So that's. While well, I was
0: talking I, to my uh, I was talking to my Budweiser rep today, he came in. Uh, and he, he, we fill out the order and he said that they're throwing so much money at the Super Bowl. Like he's talking like multiple, multiple, like in the range of like 50 plus million, like spending in advertising in just this weekend alone. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. That's just not the commercial. We're talking like, you know, commercials leading up to Super Bowl today, tomorrow, all that stuff, uh, stuff around L.A. They're, they're doing because apparently they're, they're launching their next product called Budweiser Next. Have you heard about it? No, I haven't. It's just like apparently carb-free um, alcohol, which I don't understand how that works. But regardless, how does that it's, it's, work? It's, yeah, I don't I don't know how that works, but it's called uh, Budweiser Next, and you're gonna start seeing that everywhere pop up, and that's gonna be their their big push. And I know Doritos is working on a big one too. They're they're launching an exclusive flavor that uh, I think is only gonna be uh, in in a couple of restaurants, and I think they're they're gonna be launching a, a new flavor as well. So uh, wow. let's hope that they they come through and. And how about the halftime show? Are you excited about that? Because truthfully, I'm not. Like, I know, like, they're trying to play into, you know, people like me, obviously, because I grew up listening to those artists. But I'm just so over the halftime show. It's so long. It takes me out of the game. Like, I think for me, being a a hardcore football fan, I feel like all that extra stuff, I just get annoyed by it as the older I get. The younger I was, I would consume all of it. The younger I was, I would sit down in front of the TV at 2 o'clock, Watch four hours of wall to wall, like pregame show. You get so burnt out by the time the game even comes around and you're just like trying to watch the game but now as i'm older i have no time for it. i just show up at 6 30 i watch the game halftime comes around I, i'm just annoyed by it I, tr- I usually flip around maybe watch like an episode of friends or something because it's so long and then i'll come back but i'm not i'm just i'm not excited about it especially with last year's uh last year's uh, halftime show with the weekend who i generally like i just thought it was a lackluster performance
1: right I, i'm kind of with you there jay i mean listen i love me some dr dre and you know eminem and, uh, and kendrick Lamar gonna be honest with you i i, I forgot about mary j blige like, oh she's still <laughs> oh, like recording stuff you know what i'm saying like no disrespect you know mary j blige you know all props to her Um, uh, but i i know my wife is looking forward to the super bowl halftime show she sent me a tiktok of something about the the super bowl halftime show so i know she's uh she's juiced up for that one but i mean me personally i'll watch it I'm not, like, actively going to be like, oh, my God, let's, let's sit down and watch the Super Bowl halftime show. It's like, okay, it's on. Happy wife, happy life. I understand. <laughs> we'll turn the volume up. Okay, let's go. But, no, man, I'm, he- I'm here for the X's and the O's. I'm here for Joey Burrow, you know, the, uh, the ice in his veins, the cold killer going toe-to-toe with Matthew Stafford and whatnot. So I- yeah. I'm all about the X's and O's, baby. Let's go.
0: All right, well, let's talk about Joe Burrow some more, right? And obviously, he's one of the main stars of the game. He's an up-and-coming riser. This is his second year in the NFL. Uh, what does this game mean for Joe Burrow? Let's say he does win this game. Obviously, if he loses, it's still all great. He's still on track. I feel like he can't say much negative in regards to somebody that, uh, you know, gets to Super Bowl in their second year, uh, first full season that they completed in the NFL without having an injury. But let's say he wins this game. What does this mean for his career? And I'll start real quick by saying, if he does win the Super Bowl, Puma, he has a legitimate claim as the best quarterback in the game right now. With Tom Brady retiring, the the field is wide open. And I know we all think of Patrick Mahomes as this, like, you know, obviously immense talent that's head and shoulders above everybody else, and I get that. But at the end of the day, he has won Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowl. So if Joe Burrow can win his first Super Bowl, second year in the league, I I think that is going to put him right in the middle of that conversation. And the fact that he's already beaten Patrick Mahomes twice now, Puma, that he's played Patrick Mahomes twice and he's beat him, and Willis Bowl, I think he's going to be in that rare fight here. You couple that with the fact that last year was hurt, you can't really hold that against him. He played, what, nine games, I believe, so kind of half a season, a little bit more than that. But let's go back a little bit more. He played in LSU his last year in college. He looked phenomenal threw up 60 touchdowns, had the best offense of all time, went to the uh, national championship t- game and ble- beat a really, really good Clemson team. So his little stretch right now in three years, basically winning the national championship, coming in and obviously having his issue his rookie year with his injury, and then now his second year in the NFL going to the Super Bowl and potentially winning it. Bro, if that's the case, uh, I mean, that that sets him in that rarefied air immediately. He also won the oh. Heisman as well. So, I mean, there, throw that in there. Oh, well, for sure.
1: No, I I I'll I'll double down on that, Jay. I'll say if he if he wins, he is the best quarterback in the NFL just based on all that pedigree you laid out. I mean, we can all say about Mahomes and whatnot, but look at the situation, right? He goes to a stable mm-hmm. organization exactly. Good point. where he had the, the the quarterback, you know, tree was bookended, you know, from uh, from Alex Smith. You have a great, you know, coaching staff with, you know, Andy Reid, stable ownership in the Hunt family you know Eric Bieniemy and company on the offensive side of the football great nucleus of talent but then you look on the other side it's it's you know we all like to say like the Bengals are going to bangle right like so they bad. just got rid of they just got rid of Marvin Lewis like we all know the stories about Paul Brown and like the acrimony with like Geno Atkinson at the time his rookie year AJ Green kept like having a, an air quote hamstring injury didn't want to play and you 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 just look at the situation like joe burrow to me is like the definition of like overcoming things and grit and determination it's like damn the torpedoes i'm gonna i'm gonna take this from you whether you like it or not kind of deal and he's checked off every single box and i know coming out of college like i was on this pod and i was a little bit skeptical of of joe burrow and i'm happy to take that l because i'm all about what i'm seeing from joe burrow as a professional athlete and you know and, and everything he's done for that organization, for the city of Cincinnati, and Jay, you you sent me a picture. Like you, you're in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Like how far is Columbus from Cincinnati?
0: Hour and a half.
1: Hour and a half. Like prior to this, were there ever any nope. like billboards nope. of anything Cincinnati Bengals nope. related? Like nope, nope. Please, like the, the what he's done to Ohio and Jay, you could speak more to that. Mm-hmm. Like is just absolutely incredible. So you factor in all of those off the field things with what he's done this season. Definitely. If he wins, he wins that trophy, he is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I'm saying that it would be like for me, it would be Burrow, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like I don't know if that's where you would rank things, but personally that's how I would rank it.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're I think I would rank it that way as well. In the AFC, definitely. I'd have Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. I would have Josh Allen, uh, then probably Lamar Jackson, um, then probably Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's still part of the Texans. I mean, he's, he's that good as well. Um, be, be, be below that is Justin Herbert, who I have a lot of respect for. Uh, below that, God, uh, I mean, at that point, I think Trevor Lawrence. I think you're going to start seeing some strides with him as well. He's got oh, well. all the physical physical skill set. Um notice I haven't said McCrap Jones yet, but you know, you would think that he'd be in that in that conversation. But regardless, Puma, I think I think you hit it right on the head, Puma, especially with the fact that Puma, you still there? Yeah, I'm yeah. still here. Yeah. The fact that, you know the fact that he was able to go to Cincinnati and turn that loser franchise around, I mean that that's absolutely that's something that people won't talk about enough. I mean this is this is a an ownership group that is one of the cheapest in the NFL, doesn't like to invest uh, in the product and the team itself. I mean, there's stories out there about how, you know, people go going for tryouts, have to pay for their own Gatorade and have to pay for their own, like, team logo, team apparel, right, when they go work out. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I understand Patrick Mahomes is great, but, like, let's, I mean, what he walked into was just one of the best situations in NFL history. I'm not just talking, you know, this generation. We're talking he walked into the best wide receiver in the NFL, the best tight end in the NFL, a good offensive line, and the best offensive coach in the NFL as well. So, I mean, I, I think what Joe Burrow is doing and his degree of difficulty is just through the roof. On top of that, the, the, major, the major, major plus for Joe Burrow is he doesn't have a TikToking brother or a TikToking. Nope. That's that's key number one.
1: Mm-hmm. God damn right. God damn right.
0: what well, let's move over to the other side of the ball here and with the Rams. And obviously Matthew Stafford played in Detroit for so long. He left a loser franchise, went over to the Rams and year one, he's in the Super Bowl. What do you think this means for Matthew Stafford's career?
1: I mean I thought it was a Hall of Famer before, you know, the Super Bowl appearance here, but I feel like if if he wins the Super Bowl, he's you know he's instantly a Hall of Famer. I mean, let, let's be honest. Like if Eli Manning is going to be a Hall of Famer with two Super oh, Bowl you. rings, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. spare me. Matthew Stafford is a instant Hall of Famer, potentially first round, first ballot Hall of Famer with the mm-hmm. Super Bowl championship uh, under his belt. And you know, and, and good for him. We, we saw. We saw what he was when he came out of uh, the University of Georgia uh, as the first first overall pick, first rounder. Um, and, you know, we saw what he could have done uh, with Megatron, with Calvin Johnson, and, you know, Johnson retired early. And personally, I don't blame him because his body took a freaking beating with the Lions, but, you know, his career was squandered. Like, you know, those are the years, you know, the lost years, in my opinion. Like, what could have happened if he was on a more competent team uh, to make a couple of playoff runs. So I, th- I think to cement his legacy is, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL and NFL history. I'm not saying like top 10, top five, but definitely top 25, in my opinion, uh, just based on his toughness in, in everything. We saw the play, the throw he made to mm-hmm. get, have a game winning touchdown with essentially a separated shoulder. Like, d- you can't question that guy's toughness. So I think you know, instant Hall of Fame status is on the line for, for Matthew Stafford.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on right. That's part of my notes here as well. You know, this puts him on that Hall of Fame trajectory. Basically, if he wins it, he's in. I mean, simple as that, right? I mean, this this basically validates everything we always say about the NFL. We always talk about parity. We always talk about, you know, there's always hope for any team. And you saw it this year a little bit with the Bengals where they were able to turn it around so quickly but this man spent so many years in Detroit just going through the grind and just like being beaten down. And even with all those years with Calvin Johnson, he, you know, he he had those great numbers, but he never got the title. But if he got this man, it validates everything for him and he puts him into the Hall of Fame. Now, the other person I want to hit on as well is OBJ. I think what's going to happen with OBJ is going to be really interesting if he wins the Super Bowl, right? Because OBJ gets a very bad rap. I understand he has his antics. And I know a lot of people used OBJ as the punching bag for justifying Baker Mayfield's bad performance, right? A lot of people eh. in the media did that, right? <laughs> Hell, and I now, did it, Jay. I'll
1: cop to it. I did it, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, right? And now we we see that OBJ has left Cleveland, went to L.A. He's playing really well. And sure, sure, he's not the old OBJ that's going to go out there and run a blazing you know, 40 and catch a ball out of the air he has slowed down just a little bit but it's not a lot I mean now we're talking like a big diminish in skill set right so I think he's proven himself and I think the real question we need to ask is what happens after this year because he is a free agent right does he Mm -hmm. get paid does another team look at him is he going to be a high-priced free agent I know you know Bill Belichick had this affinity for him, and there seemed to be some storylines coming out that he was very close signing with New England. Does New England make a run at him? You know, all of this is on a table for him to kind of reset his career. This is a massive, massive win already for OBJ. And truthfully, I mean, even if he wins or loses, it doesn't really matter. He's he's kind of reestablished himself as a good you know, wide receiver that somebody should be paying a lot of money to. But I am interested to see where he ends up next year. Is he going to stick in L.A.? And if I'm him, I stick in L.A. I stick in what's working right now. You know, Matthew Stafford and him have a good rapport. More time in the offense next year will give him more opportunities. He loves L.A. He's fit for the market. He's perfect for being out there. I mean, this is one of the few wide receivers that got a $5 million Nike contract. I mean, that's usually reserved for quarterback, right? Quarterback money is usually $5 million from Nike. So... If I'm him, I know people are going to come calling, but I would take a little bit of a discount and I would stay in LA. If I somehow make that happen, I'd do it.
1: Right. I'm, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I, I feel like regardless of the outcome, just given, you know, the narrative that was surrounding Odell. And again, I'll cop to it. I've been on this pod saying that the offense for Cleveland w- was running better when Odell wasn't in the, in the lineup. And we saw what that looked like this year. Granted, Baker was beat to crap, but Baker even before he got hurt was playing bad. So, you know, that aside, I think I think he's gonna get a big old, you know, blank check from whatever team in free agency. I don't think New England's going to be calling because the other part of that interview with Odell, when he said he was close to signing with the Pats was, it was kind of, to me, I took that as he didn't want to really deal with a rookie quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like if Tom Brady or was a still-
0: quarterback a quarterback that could only throw five yards and not get your ball deep downfield. How about that My
1: one? bad. Correction. You're right. <laughs> but- Uh, I mean, if Tom Brady was still in in Foxborough, he, he would have been a New England Patriot, you know, every day and twice on Sunday. But I'm with you, Jay. I think he, you know, it would behoove him to take a pay cut to stay with the L.A. Rams. But... You also have to think, too, like the Rams are up against the cap. Like Cooper Cup is going to get paid, too. Like, they're not going to let Cooper Cup just walk out the door, especially with all that draft capital they gave up to keep Stafford, to get Stafford as their quarterback. I mean, who's going to be the odd man out? Like, is are they going to let Robert Woods walk? Like, would you let Robert Woods walk? Like, I, I don't know. But either way, I think he is definitely going to get paid. Uh for for sure. If he sticks with the Rams, he is gonna have to take a hometown discount. But I you know, we've all seen what less need can do with you know draft picks and and salary cap issues, you can massage the cap to make it work. Uh so that's definitely gonna be fun to see well, from the front office. Well that's
0: that's a really good interesting question, Puma, because while you're you you know you asked that question, who do you let walk? Robert Woods and OBJ, because that's what's gonna come down to. I think you let Robert Woods walk. I think you let Robert Woods walk too. Because now both of them have an ACL injury, so that's fine. Both of them are 29. Did you know that? I thought Robert Woods was younger than that. I thought Robert Woods was like 25 years old. And immediately Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, you're going to have to keep the younger guy over OBJ. Turns out they're the same age. So if that's the case, why not go with OBJ, who seems to be just at the tip of the iceberg of what he can do in the system once he has a full offseason and learns everything uh, about the system?
1: Right, and if you, like, really want to get nitpicky, like, okay, Odell, I think, has a little bit more of a, air quote, longer injury history with, like, the quad and stuff. But, mm-hmm. again, that's, like, really getting nitpicky down to it. But I'm with you. I, I feel like they would more than likely let Robert Woods walk, especially because I think they would end up getting a comp pick in, in like, the uh, the, the comp, you know, the, 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 the comp pick equation that nobody knows I you know how it works, except for the people at Park Avenue and the NFL office. But I think that that's that's kind of in the benefit of the LA Rams as well, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Looking at their height, weight, they're both about the same—about five eleven, six zero for both of them. One hundred ninety-five pounds for Woods, one hundred ninety-eight pounds for uh, for OBJ. I don't know, man. That's a tough decision, bro. I, I would stick with OBJ. I think that that could be insane. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, that's enough Super Bowl talk. We've got some some pressing matters to talk about, Puma. Okay.
1: Oh, what what's that, Jay? You got well, something to say? I know you got something to say.
0: Well, I got a lot to say about about a certain uh, certain coach. But let's start with the head coaches first, right? Um, every year, seven eight head coaching spots open up. This year, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and all eight positions have been filled. I'm going to give you a quick rundown and then we'll react to it. But the Bears ended up hiring Matt Eberflus from Indianapolis. The Broncos ended up hiring Nathaniel Hackett out of Green Bay, the offensive coordinator. uh, Presumably in the hopes of trying to lure Aaron Rodgers into uh, Denver. The Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel from the 49ers. The Giants hired Brian Dayball from the Bills. The Jaguars hired Doug Pearson out of retirement. Um, the Raiders hired Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator from the Patriots. Obviously, uh, the Saints gave the the uh, head coaching job to Dennis Allen, who was a defensive coordinator on the stat on the uh, staff. Uh, the Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell from the Rams, and then the Texans hired old Santa Claus himself with the most glorious beard of them all, you, Smith, true. the most glorious beard of all. If I'm the Texans and I'm Cal McNair, I have put into his contract: you can never shave that beard. You're getting this yes. job because that beard is absolutely amazing.
1: <laughs> yes, for sure. For but sure. but
0: but another coaching cycle has come and gone, and there's a lot of storylines about Brian Flores not getting it, getting his uh, his due, and now he's doing the league. So Puma, like, what's what's some of your takeaways from this uh, from this coaching carousel?
1: Uh, the coaching carousel, uh, quick hits. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Peterson hire for the Jaguars. Um, I, I still think Trent Belkey as a general manager is going to be you know, a, a horrid experience, but you look at you know the development of Trevor Lawrence, I think Peterson is going to be probably the best thing that could happen to him in, the, in, in his young NFL career at this point. He survived the Urban Meyer experience. Uh, but you you look at what Peterson's done with uh, with the Eagles. I mean, he had you know him and Reich, and I'm, I'm, I lean more towards Reich in the grand scheme of things. But regardless, you know Peterson was at the helm when Carson Wentz was on an MVP type of pace in the Super Bowl year, and then he got you know Nick Foles to the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl. I, I think. He's going to definitely help in the development of Trevor Lawrence. He's going to help with the development of that offense. Um, so I'm, I'm all here for that. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Mike McDaniel hire by the the Miami Dolphins. I mean, even prior to this lawsuit and the can of worms that came out from, uh, from Brian Flores' uh, allegations and whatnot, Mike McDaniel was on the radar for the Miami Dolphins. He comes from the Shanahan tree, and it's another instance of look at that Washington football team coaching staff. You had Shanahan, uh, McVay, Lafleur, and now Mike McDaniel. Like they were all on that staff for the Washington football team, and uh, it's good to see a guy like McDaniel who had his own personal demons. He overcame he he overcame uh, you know alcoholism. He's been sober for almost like a, a decade now at this point and uh he's definitely he's paid his dues and a lot of people like robert sala and you know uh LaFleur and mcveigh and shanahan like they they keep lauding this guy and i saw a video today of him video conferencing in with uh, with tua while he was flying over to miami to sign the contract and you know i'm not the biggest Tua fan but you, you also have to look at it through this, you know, lens here of you finally have a coach that is actually willing to work with Tua Viloa Like, you know, Brian Flores wasn't a fan of him, clearly. Uh, it didn't work out. He, in my opinion, he lost his job over that as well as not being you know, a good person to work for in that building. Um, but you got a head coach now that's going to understand that and by God, can I actually get a run game if Mike McDaniel actually opens up the run game for the Miami Dolphins, Jesus put a statue of him right next to right next to Dan Marino in front of Hard Rock Stadium. So like'm I'm, I'm excited for Mike McDaniel as a head coach and the uh, the Houston Texans man. what an absolute joke. What a clown show. you go from like, potentially having Josh McCown be your head coach, you have an in-depth interview with Brian Flores, and let's be honest, like, they both said, they probably both turned their nose up and you had to settle on Lovey Smith. Like, you might as well have just kept David Cully for one more year. I don't don't understand the Texans at all, dude.
0: Well, let's be real 100%, Puma. I think Nick Casario is absolutely fumbling the bag. I think he's had a horrendous two-year initial stint with, uh, with the Texans. And I know, like, you know, he ne- he wasn't in the Deshaun Watson stuff, so I'm not going to bury him for that. But this is not his second, you know, um, coaching staff that he's had to hire. And it seems so herky-jerky. It seems like they didn't know what they're doing. They're out there trying to court Josh McCown. For some reason, they are hard up for him. I, I think we need to call out Nick Casario a little bit, just for some of the blunders he's had so far as a GM. Uh, the Mike McDaniel's one that that's interesting, Puma. and I want to dive into that a little bit more because you hit it on the head with with Tua being able to put all that instability around him with Flo and obviously the the owner, you know, and Flo having some issues, the GM Greer and Flo having issues, and it seems like he put all that aside and still was productive on the field, Puma. I know, I know, he didn't blow us all away, and he's always going to be compared to Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow because they're in the same class. But that kid, and I've got to this point now where I wasn't a big fan of Tua, but seeing him play against the Patriots twice and beat them and playing with some of the guts he had this year and the fact that he's put all that aside and was able to produce on the field speaks volumes to his character and mental makeup. He's doing all that with the coach working against him, in my opinion. So I can only imagine what Mike McDaniel is going to do for him. So what's some of the early stuff you're hearing out of Miami, about how they're going to use him? You know, it seems like Mike McDaniel is on board with Tua. Have you have you had a chance to kind of digest uh, some of the storylines coming out of how Mike McDaniel sees his offense kind of uh, evolving?
1: No, no, not, not at this juncture as of yet. I, I haven't seen any rumblings, but I mean, at, at this point... You know, I, I think you know, offensive coaching staff wise, it sounds like he uh, McDaniel is going to pluck uh, the quarterback coach from the Atlanta Falcons to be his offensive coordinator. But Jay, at at this point, dude, I just I just want a functional running game to take some of the heat <laughs> off of the quarterback and the offensive line. So like, I don't I don't care how they do it at this point, Jay. Just. Just just take the heat off a little bit, man. Like let's let's unlock Miles Gaskin. Like, even if that means like you keep Duke Johnson and you have him as like the change of pace running back. Just just something. Freaking something. Like we saw what they did with Raheem Mostert and Wilson and 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 Trey Sermon for a cup of coffee before he got concussed and he had the shoulder issue. Like you know, he McDaniel comes from the, the, the offense that you insert any running back uh, with a pulse and you can get 100 yards out of that guy a game. Like, let's get that in South Beach and take the heat off of this offensive line and this quarterback. And uh, that that's essentially that's all I'm here for at this point, Jay. Just 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 run the ball. I never thought yeah. I would want them to, like, treat it like 1995, but just run the ball a little bit. Please, please.
0: <laughs> uh, I think for me. Um, the best coaching move or coaching hire was Brian Dayball to the Giants. Um, oh. It's been years since I've looked at a Giants offseason and said, yes, they're making all the right moves. But what I'm seeing out of Brian Dayball, Joe Shane, the GM, like they just hired DC Wink uh, Martindale uh today uh from the Ravens, and he's a good established defensive coordinator. So, I like everything I'm seeing out of the Giants organization. Like, you know, I saw them hire Pat Shermer, said that's not it. I saw them hire Joe Judge. I said that's definitely not it. So I, I'm really excited about how the Giants are going to be going moving forward. And I think if there's any person that's going to get the best out of Daniel Jones, and granted, I'm no fan of Daniel Jones, but let's give him his let's give him one more year, especially with a, a quarterback developer that is Brian Dayball. Let's see what he can get out of him, right? There's already reports coming out that he wants. Daniel Jones to put on some muscle, get a little bit bigger. They're going to use him in that, obviously, that scheme that they ran up in Buffalo with Josh Allen being a bigger body and running the ball a little bit. So I think they're going to incorporate that into the offense this year. So I'm excited to see how that pans out. But by far, the worst hire, Matt Ibrafuz up in Chicago. I'm sorry. Put your cleats on. I'm sorry, if you, if you come out in your initial press conference as a head coach and do a Joe Judge Im- uh, uh, Joe Judge impersonation, I'm out. I'm sorry, I'm out. Like, if you talk like that in front of the camera, I think you're just as cool as behind the camera. I, I think it was just a... a Bad missed hire from the Bears, and I know it's very early. We can't say all this stuff now because they haven't played a game yet, but I just get bad feelings for it, man. You've got a defensive guy coming in, talking all that smack, and then on top of that, you need to develop a quarterback like Justin Field. Like, how are you going to develop? I mean, unless you hire a very strong offensive coordinator, which I'm sure they're looking into right now, but I just I just think for the development of Justin Fields, Matt Arafluis isn't the guy.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I get it with like the defensive hire. Like you paid all that draft capital to get Khalil Mack, and you had to pay him to a contract extension. But I, 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 I don't know, man. That one was head scratching. And then he comes off as like a, a faux Hardo with, mm-hmm. oh, everyone get your track shoes on because you're gonna run. Well, that's right up there with Joe Judge saying we will practice in pads. We're gonna represent the city, and he, you know Joe Judge fell on his face. And we're gonna get more to Joe Judge in a minute here. Uh, but I'm I'm with you. Uh, one of the flat hirings yeah. of this coaching cycle. Well, I'm not I'm not counting the Texans because the Texans are in their own category. Iberflus yeah, yeah, no, no, no. is is it.
0: Well, I think I think it's just the league is not going towards a de- defensive minded co- coaching staff. It's not going towards a. I'll put it this way. Last year in the conference championship game, last year they, we had Andrew Reid, offensive mind. We had uh, McDermott. Obviously, he was a defensive mind, so sure. Uh, Bruce Arians, uh, offensive mind. Uh, and then you had, what's his name, the guy up there? Mike Offensive mind. So three out of four coaches were the offensive-minded coaches in last year's uh, conference championship games. This year, Zach Taylor, offensive mind, right? Uh, you've got Andy Reid, offensive mind. You've got uh, Sean McWay, offensive mind, and then you've got uh, who's the other guy? Um, uh, Mike Shanahan, offensive guy, right? So I feel like the league is moving <coughs> towards these like offensive, you know, minded head coaches that get the best out of their offenses, and I think you're moving away from that one first defensive game plan. I mean, when's the last time you saw a team like that win? We all thought times we gonna be that team this year with running the ball with Derek Henry and playing good defense and Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Just kind sprinkles it in here and there but that's not just where the nfl is moving to and i'm not saying it's antiquated i'm not saying you've got to go out there and disregard defense that's not what i'm trying to get at i'm just saying looking at recent success out of all the conference championship teams seven out of eight were offensive-minded teams you feel me
1: for sure no you're spot on you're spot on i mean we all thought the titans were going to turn the clock back to like 1998 and just run the football and and win with a oh you know a, a decent defense uh, but no, it's, it's the, the the game of the NFL is changing. It's spread out. It's high flying. It's high scores, and you know I'm not saying it's like the Big Twelve where defense is optional. Um, but you know, in baseball terms, like there's a there's a old there's a famous commercial. Uh, For Nike, where it's you know chicks dig the long ball. This is back during the home run chase of ninety ninety eight with Maguire and Sosa. Well, you know fans dig scoring, so like they want to see these high scores uh, in these games and high flying offenses, and that's that's where we're at in this in this league. And you know the Bears are gonna bear, but they you know they're not as bad as the freaking Houston Texans, but. This is on brand for the Bears. Like when the Bears and McCaskey and 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 you know that whole Hallis family, they just they can't get out of their own way. Uh, they're not reading the room. Um, I don't know who their offensive coordinator is going to be. If if uh, if the new general manager of Polls uh, didn't even interview Eric Bieniemy to be a head coach, like I, I don't think they're going to bring Eric Bieniemy in to be the offensive coordinator to develop you know Justin Fields. Uh, so, I, I don't know who that's going to be. So, it's, you know, I think it's another squandered opportunity of a, a good first round prospect. And I, I hope Justin Fields overcomes this. I hate to be writing his O bit for next year already, but that's that's kind of what it's looking like.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Puma, this next segment that we're going to talk about. I need you to make sure I don't go off the deep end. I don't want to be swearing. YouTube, obviously, you know, doesn't give us uh, – doesn't work in our favor with the algorithm for swearing and I'm losing my mind. So I'll be as comments collected as possible, okay? Good luck. If it wasn't bad enough that <laughs> Mac Jones was in the uh, Pro Bowl uh, skills competition looking like an absolute loser compared to Russell Wilson, or the fact that Mac Jones was doing the gritty and running 60 yards when he was clearly down and embarrassing himself, the New England Patriots decide to bring in Joe Judge today, the former fired Giants head coach, as an offensive assistant today. I have so many issues with this Puma. Like, when I saw this news today, man, I went through the roof. I I hate it so much. Not just because of who Joe Judge is, because we all believe Joe Judge is a clown, especially the way he talks with with the media, and I'm sure, you know, people that are under his command and his players roll their eyes. But it's the fact that Joe Judge, I think, isn't equipped to do this job. Like, I don't understand how Bill Belichick can bring in a coach of Joe Judge's stature to be the de facto offensive coordinator, right? Um, to be real with you 100%, yes, offensive assistant is his name, but uh, is his job title, but it's just the technicality he's going to be the offensive coordinator. And I don't understand how that's possible because Joe Judge was in charge of the worst offense the last two years. He. he he didn't develop daniel jones further he actually made him regress like regress in a hardcore fashion right and now he's a guy coming in to help develop mac jones who's already a a average to above average uh quarterback depending on which week it is and i just have this fear puma that we are in a combustible potential situation with a very inexperienced offensive coordinator and a average quarterback like I'm not looking forward to seeing this offense perform next year and I think we really need to start calling out Bill Belichick for just some of these moves man like just the coaching staff that he puts together the arrogance like he's still building a coaching staff with the mindset that he has Tom Brady on his roster, which he clearly does not, right? He's hiring, you know, Matt Patricia to be a defensive assistant. He's hiring Joe Judge to be the offensive assistant. He has his boys, you know, his sons on the the defensive staff. Uh, He has Mike Lombardi's son as a favor on the staff. He seems to be... There's this rumbling and this rumor out there that, you know, Robert Kraft gives bill Belichick 25 million dollars a year to go fill out his coaching staff that's the budget and basically whenever bill Belichick fills out his coaching staff he can pocket the rest of the money right so it seems like what Belichick is doing, he's trying to hire these cheap coaches so that he can pocket the money. Like, I can't, I can't seem to rationalize this. I've been sitting all day trying to figure out why he would pull this move, and I can't seem to put two and two together. And I don't think there's something else coming down the line. I don't think there's a Bill O'Brien coming in to be the the uh, the offensive coordinator, and, and Joe Judge is going to be the office, offensive assistant to him. So I saw this promo today, and I went through the roof. Um, I... I I'm really starting to get fed up with the Patriots as a whole, man. Like, I've watched them for 20 years now. They've given me so much joy. But I think now I'm destined to be, like, i got to somehow make up for all that joy. I've got to be in pain for the next 20 years, you know? <laughs> Jay,
1: correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Joe Judge's background in special teams?
0: Yes, sir. Special teams. He was special teams coordinator with the, with the Patriots. He went and this is what happened. He actually almost took the Mississippi State job. You remember that? Yep. And then somehow, obviously, Bill Belichick, the kingmaker in the background, called the Giants and said, you should hire this guy. Interview him. And he went down and interviewed. And next thing you know, he's, a, he's the head coach of the the New York Giants. And, all, and a special teams coordinator became the head coach of the New York Giants when he was supposed to be a college coach.
1: I mean, I don't even mind the special teams thing because, you know, look at Harbaugh and it looks like Harbaugh is just a, you know, a unicorn that's John Harbaugh of the, uh, you know, the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I'm, I'm just happy uh, Bill Belichick texted the right phone number uh, back, back then mm-hmm. um, for, for the giants. But uh, Jay, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I don't understand a couple of things. One, what does offensive assisting like even entail like, well, I, I don't, I don't well, understand that. do you know that. the story
0: behind that, right? The, the, the theory behind that, Puma, is that – now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Rooney Rule applies to head coaches and coordinators, right?
1: Right, but it does not a, second, apply exactly. to essentially contract people, Ex- per se –
0: yeah, and I think this could be a way of circumventing that rule. But the other part that's the most intriguing part of this Puma is if you give him the offensive coordinator title, I believe somebody has to yeah, you've got pay him and then somebody goes back to the New York Giants. Because right now, the Lions are paying for Patricia's contract still and he's play and he's being obviously not he's being the defensive assistant or whatever he is. And same thing with Joe Judge, he's gonna get paid by the, the Giants next year, but he's gonna be working for the Patriots. That that's the kind of game that Belichick pulls and, and I don't know why he pulls it but it could be as simple as he wants to pocket all that extra money that, that Kraft sets out as a $25 million a year coaching budget. Is this where certain
1: people say it's chestnut checkers?
0: Man, it's Connect Four, man. The guy, the guy, <laughs> the guy's playing Connect Four and he's losing badly at it. He's still making moves pretending he has the king chess piece on the board, which is Tom Brady, which he does not. Like, I understand if you make these moves, if you have Tom Brady in your back pocket, but you don't. You've got a... a... a, a above average uh, uh, quarterback at best.
1: Right. And you're hiring a guy that did a quarterback sneak from his own too. Like, I just, I don't, oh, I, I don't understand like how this is going to enhance the development of Mac Jones where, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like the, the, you know, the crafts and, and, and the old man Bill Belichick spent all this money in free agency on the offensive side of the football for once. And of course the defensive side, we've already lauded the, the signings of Matt Jude on, but I mean, the offensive side of the football, all those signings, I mean, only two hit. And that was Hunter Henry and, you know, uh, and, and Kendrick Bourne. Like, Aguilar was really nowhere to be found. John Smith was just a waste of cash. Like, is Joe Judge really going to unlock this offense? I'm not holding my breath. Like. Jason Garrett, uh, you know, the clapper, uh, took a lot on the chin in New York. But, you know, Joe Judge is to blame as well, too. Like, that offense looked even worse after Garrett left. So I, I, I don't understand the logic. I, I don't get it. Um, I'm with you. I think this is just, you know, Bill trying to be cheap uh, but using his, you know, air of, of, uh, of greatness – uh, to, to make these look like savvy, you know, veteran moves and the league just hasn't caught on to them yet. I uh, I, I don't understand it. And it's it's going to it's gonna make for an interesting, you know, first four games of the year next year when the offense doesn't look good. Like, I, I, I can't wait to see what happens then. And, you know, hopefully, Jay, you don't jump from a high place because I can't do this podcast by myself. So uh, I need a host here. So just, you know, keep it together. It'll be fine.
0: We'll work through it. It's okay. Deep breaths, Puma. Deep breaths, Rusa. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I I just I just get triggered by every single move, man. Like I just I don't understand how the Patriots have gone to this point, Puma, because we you when I when you saw this news today, you sent back a clown emoji, right? Yep. And then Clown show. People, exactly right clown show and then you and then people on the radio calling in were talking about how it's dysfunctional and i'm thinking to myself when did we get to this location like i understand we're not winning on the football field as we used to but now we're like a laughing stock now we're now we're that team that we used to laugh at three years ago we used to laugh at the jets oh my god look at those idiots they're hiring that coach are you kidding me oh my god look at the washington football team they're spending that much money in free agency that never pans out and now we're doing all that stuff like i at what point? At what point can we put this on Bill Belichick? Because nobody seems to want to do that, and and, I, and I'm the guy, obviously, that's been saying this for four or five years now, and I'm just a quote unquote hater. But at what point, like, are we gonna look at him and be like, yo, what are you doing here? Uh, what's what's the point of you? You're spending money like 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 it's like it's grown on trees. You're supposed to be a guy that can draft well. Now your coaching staff is made up of people that are your Bobos and your your friends' kids and your kids, like. At some point, can, isn't Kraft going to look at somebody's moves and be like, "Dude, what are you doing over there?"
1: Nah, nah, nah. Kraft, Kraft's not going to do that. I mean, Kraft didn't step in again when when Tom Brady was about to leave. And, and granted, I don't think Tom Brady wanted to come back, regardless. But I don't think I don't think he's ever going to hold Bill to the fire. Like even even after you know the the, the team essentially quit after the bye week, according to you know. Focus theories and whatnot like you know the, the, they stopped listening to the coaches um I, I find it hard to believe that you know bill just let that happen on his watch and didn't do anything uh but like you have to start to question like what is bill really like what is what is he doing like i, I think Kraft is just gonna let him leave on his own terms so you know buckle up jay i think it's gonna get worse Um, but from, from any other, if this was any other organization, Jay, you hit the nail on the head. You would be laughing hysterically if this was the jets or the dolphins or the Houston Texans, which were laughing at Houston all the time. Um, the Vikings, you know, you name it. This is, this is a clown show that normal Patriot fans would be ordinarily laughing at, but now you're looking at the mirror, like welcome to life as you know, a normal NFL franchise.
0: Can we just can we just go back to five years ago? Puma, I was rewatching, uh, I was rewatching the Patriots Falcons Super Bowl, man. Just such a good time. Just I was just so blissfully ignorant just watching those games, not realizing how good I had it. Oh, my God. I, I, I didn't take it for granted, but I definitely should have enjoyed it more, man, because this is this is brutal. This is absolutely brutal, Puma. Like, I, I don't understand how this is going to get any better next year. I've got a feeling we're going to regress next year. I know we were 10-8 and 8 this year, and we went on that seven-game winning streak because our middle of the schedule was very soft. We played really bad teams like the Jets and the Texans and the Panthers and those kind of teams in the middle. But like when it really started to matter, when we started playing the, the Buffalo Bills, we started playing the the, the Miami Dolphins day the year, the Indianapolis Colts. Like, I, I just couldn't believe what happened at the end of the year, man. Like, I'm just, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. And and I don't think it's going to get any easier. Like, going forward, are the Bills going to slow down? No. Josh Allen seems like he's going to be hell bent next year to get back to the Super Bowl after what happened this year. On top of that, Miami, like, they beat us twice this year. Like, I know there's a new head coach down there, but what if, what if they figure it out and they get Deshaun Watson or Tua becomes, you know, a good quarterback? Like, I, I'm, I'm terrified, Puma. I really am terrified.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, Buckle up, Jay. Buckle up. Buckle up.
0: This is the last thing I'm going to say about it, and then we can wrap it up. Puma. It seems that because Bill Belichick was along for the ride with Tom Brady for those 20 years, it seems that now we've given him immunity to do and act how he feels. It seems like there's no more checks and balances, and I get that. With so much success, you you can obviously have that level of autonomy, but. Like, do we got to suffer? Do we got to suffer for those six Super Bowls? Like, is that what's going to happen now?
1: Yep. Because he, he hired a bunch of yes men. Like, that's, that's that's calling for what it is. Like, it's, you know, nepotism at its finest. It's a bunch of yes men. Like, there's no there's no pushback. There's nobody there to actually keep, you know, Scott Pioli ain't coming back. Like, Scott Pioli was probably one of the, one of the few people. Jay, you could probably speak a little bit more towards it. But I think I feel like Pioli kept Bill in check with some of his personnel decisions and whatnot, and and uh, and, and reined him in. And there, there clearly isn't that anymore. And it's what? I don't think it's an, I don't think it's an accident that like it's back to back years now that like upper you know upper echelon people in player personnel development have jumped ship. Like the the last guy just became the general manager of uh, of the Las Vegas Raiders, and somehow he coerced Josh McDaniels to get on an airplane this time. Like it's not an accident, dude.
0: I know, I know you don't watch Game of Thrones, but there's this character in there that um, her name is Khaleesi. She's uh, she's a power hungry, you know, get to the top, take do whatever it kind of takes kind of person, and she goes through the whole series just just grabbing power, grabbing power. And the moment she got it, she burnt it all down to the ground. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of these memes or heard about the story arc, but the second she gets all this power, she wipes everything down with her dragon, right? And and I, I'm i not trying to be comical here, but the moment I saw the story today, I was like, is it great? Is it like Game of Thrones in the locker room? Because the story came out that when Josh McDonald's was leaving, right? Um to go take the Indianapolis Colts job Belichick was prepping for what's going to happen afterwards, right? And one of the things he wanted to do was he wanted to essentially grab some of that power back from Tom Brady on the offensive offensive side of the football. Because at that moment in time, you know, 17 years in, Tom Brady has known knows more offensive football than any mind in the NFL, right? I mean, at that point, he's a master, right? He's running it by himself. Mm -hmm. And Belichick wanted to put his own guy in there, in that offensive room as the offensive coordinator, to take some of that power back. And that guy was, I think, Joe Judge at that time, if I have that story correct. But I'm looking at that story and I'm thinking, why does he even got to think that way? Like, why why does he have to feel like he has to go and take some of his power back from Tom Brady? And now it seems like he has all the power, Puma. I feel like now we're right ahead of that threshold where Khaleesi burns everything down. I feel like we're at the moment, Belichick, where he's got the power and it's going to just burn everything down the next two or three years, man. I know it's dramatic. I know it's dramatic, but like... What else, what else am I supposed to think? He, he doesn't talk. He doesn't answer Robert Kraft. Tom Brady, the greatest uh, quarterback of all time, he pushed him out the door in, in a mad dash for power. He has yes-men around him. He's hiring his sons on his staff. He has Mick Lombardi's son. Mick Lombardi's a great friend and the mouthpiece of Belichick. Like, what am I supposed to think here?
1: It's fine, Jay, because uh, all of New England is just holding out for a Tom Brady uh, second statement regarding uh, his appreciation for Patriot fans. <laughs> so, once that comes out, it's going to be all swept under God. the rug. So
0: Oh, my God. We used to be a proud organization, Puma. We really used to be. Like, we used to be a damn proud organization. And now we're, we're mad about he didn't thank us. We're waiting for that one-day contract. <laughs> Belichick hey, do you know mad. when that
1: do you know when that one day contract is that's signing? Because I want to make sure my schedule is clear. Do you know? My, do we my, know when that one is?
0: My head hurts. <laughs> my, my my head physically hurts, Pooh. it's 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 nauseating. It's just well, from what I understand, it's supposed to happen any day now, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's been like that for a week now. I'm sorry. Mm. Yep. Well, you know what watch. it
0: is? You know what it is, Puma? I think I think Brady is holding out for the Super Bowl. He doesn't want to upstage the Super Bowl. So I think after the Super Bowl happens, a couple days after, you'll see that announcement come through, okay?
1: Oh, okay, all right. So I should hold off on trying to sell a bridge to Freddie Hercules.
0: <laughs> Freddie still believes that? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. He believes that one day comes out? Freddie, th- wow. Freddie,
1: d- Freddie doubled down today and thought he was going to be coming out of retirement after uh, you know he answered the question with his... Uh, his uh, coffee his his uh, his his man, uh, Jim Gray on his get up uh, or, you know, let's go podcast or whatever. So he's holding out hope that Brady's going to come out of retirement. And uh, again, I told Freddie, uh, if you believe that I have a bridge in Tampa, I could sell you.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I think Brady's done. I don't think Brady's coming back. I, I think if Brady would consider it, if it was the absolute perfect situation, and I think in his mind, there's only one absolute perfect situation, and that's obviously the San Francisco thing, and that's not even this year. probably going to be next year where, like, they figure out Trey Lance isn't what they thought they were, and they've got a good team. But I, I 90, 95% of me thinks Tom Brady has done, and that's it. I mean, he's walked away from the game. What else more does he need to accomplish, man? He's done. Mhm.
1: Yep. Well, keep that bridge that bridge sale on hot standby. Uh, well, well
0: Freddie's been Freddie's been torturing me. He's been sending me Mac Jones like memes and pictures, and he and I just I'm just like, please, bro, stop! You can't do this to me. And like, he's like, it's gonna get worse when season starts because he's gonna spend so much more. Oh, Mac he's Jones. gonna
1: triple down. It's gonna be great, Freddie. Well, Freddie's got uh, all that ammo.
0: Well, send, uh, look at your Twitter right now. I just sent you a picture he sent me where they took Mac Jones' body and they put it on that ice-vein picture of Joe Burrow. And the moment I saw that, like, I was triggered through the roof. <laughs> like, like, it's so bad. Like, they, they stuck his body on Joe Burrow's uh, – uh, uh, they stuck Mac Jones' face on Joe Burrow's body, and, and I've never been more mad in my whole life, bro.
1: So that should be your new Twitter
0: header. Love it. No, Puma, no, absolutely not. But I consider <laughs> making that crying uh, Mac Jones one.
1: <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. I know a few people that would love that.
0: We're at 71 minutes. I think I've rambled enough about Mac Jones and the Patriots and Joe Judge. And please, in the future, just stop me because this isn't helping nobody. It's not helping me. It's not helping you. It's just giving me more anxiety about the season next year. So just uh, just try to rain me in on these Patriots topics, okay? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Good luck. That that ain't happen. I'm gonna watch it all burn. I'm here for chaos.
0: But yeah, you, uh, you and Bill Belichick both are gonna watch it burn down.
1: Yeah, but I'm not I'm not around a bunch of yes men, so it's, <laughs> it's fine. You, you, my wife, my stepson, y'all push back on me when I do some stupid shit, so I'm I'm all here for it. But this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, YouTube, uh, YouTube. Uh, be sure to hit. That little bell button to subscribe. It's on the Pro Football Radio Podcast, Apple Podcast. Be sure to leave a five-star review. Any questions you may have, uh, be sure to hit us up in the review segment of the pod. The five-star helps us get more exposure to the masses, uh, social media-wise, Facebook and Instagram. instagram pro football radio podcast twitter at pfr podcast i'm on twitter brando underscore puma the captain of the ship jay chima is at jay chima be sure to hit us up on the social media channels and uh, i'm just happy to be here for super bowl sunday baby let's
0: go let's go oh last question before we head out what's the what's the snack of choice are we doing pizza we're doing wings because for me I'm doing wings. I, I've uh, I've got this local restaurant. Next time, Puma, put this on your list. When you're out here in Columbus, we've got to hit, hit up Skyline, but we've got to go to Roosters as well. Roosters is an Ohio um, chicken wing chain, and their, their wings are just so much better than Buffalo Wild Wings. If people okay. know, then you know. But they've got this uh, golden Carolina honey barbecue sauce they put on their wings. Oh, yep. dude, it's so good, so good. So I'm going to do probably a good 10-piece. Carolina Gold, yeah, that's where it's at.
1: Nice, you know. I think I think we might do, you know, maybe some like finger food type of stuff, like maybe like some pizza bites or, or whatever. I gotta I gotta work, so like I'm getting out at five, and I'm just not gonna have enough time to like cook some wings at the house. So just gonna do like the quick snacky stuff, but. You know, maybe, maybe I'll order ahead because you got to you got to figure Dew Drop or Buffalo Wild Wings. If I'm in a bind, are going to be backed up with wing orders for the Super Bowl. So maybe I'll order ahead, have it delivered for when I'm home from work, and we'll go from there.
0: All right, all right. I like, I like how you think forward, forward-thinking type of guy.
1: Yes, sir. Always a man with a plan.
0: <laughs> All right, well, that does it for podcast 114. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Enjoy the commercials. Enjoy the time with the family. It's a great national holiday almost at this point. Um, so enjoy it, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
1: con Dios.